I'm not speaking to unbelievers this morning. As I look around the room, I'm grateful for that. Uh, Church is all about that, by the way. You know, evangelism was never meant to be the main thrust of our gathering together. Do you understand that? You know, Paul says a lot about that. Uh, If you get the gist of what he's meaning in all of the letters to the churches, where does evangelism take place? It does, doesn't it? Yeah. Where are all the fights supposed to take place? Out there. I have had some exciting times on our little missions trip. It's not all been easy. In fact, it's been downright awkward. But the Lord, the Lord has called me to sharpen certain things that I now have time to sharpen. And sometimes you go through times of need and emphasis, but there comes a time when you just need to sharpen some things. Uh, sometimes it's a, it's a sharpening in the Word. Sometimes it's a sharpening in the basics of what it is to be a believer and to follow Jesus every day. And sometimes it's a sharpening just of hearing Him speak. And this past week has been like that. Um, in, my, in my work with the family court unit here, I have very unique opportunities to minister to people. And so when assignments come my way that are out of the ordinary, well, everything's out of the ordinary there, but I mean really out of the ordinary. When assignment comes to me, the first thing I say is, okay, I'll do it. But I've got my ear open all the time. It's like, Lord, you give me all of these things, these gifts, these wonderful anointings, and and Lord, I have you. And You know, you and I, wherever we go, we have an influence in the spirit realm that you and I, only every now and then, we'll see. Do you understand that? Mm-hmm. You know, some of the phraseology that's come up in the last, you know, last ten years in the charismatic movement anyway, really offends some people because, you know, it just, you know, they say, where is this in the Bible and all that kind of stuff. But I want to tell you that this is not extra biblical to say that when you and I go into the darkness, we can change the atmosphere. You understand what that means? I hope that doesn't just, you know, boot you over to the side a little bit. I want you to know that wherever you go, you have the goods. Even as the, the priesthood would carry the burning embers of the eternal flame in that urn, but on their shoulders they carried it from camp to camp for how many years? Out in the desert. The fire that was to never go out. And you and I are told, never let the fire in you that Jesus has given you through salvation, don't ever let that go out. Ever. Don't even let it burn down. And so that's what the priests did. They would, you know, it's like, is it still warm? You know, is that urn, that, that big thing, you know, that the, whatever it was, that metal container, I assume, they, you know, is it still warm? If it isn't, we need to put some more wood in it because it doesn't look like we're coming into camp anytime soon. And it's times like this morning that we need to come into the camp and take that pot of coals that we've been carrying through the desert. Take it to the place where the fire belongs 
where others can enjoy it. And others can see that there is an eternal flame of the Lord burning amongst His people. Dump it out and then stoke it up. This is what we do when we come together, even on a cold day like today. It's so good to be with you. It really is. I love being with all of you, but there are certain few of you. Yeah, I think about that for a minute. That really, really get my fire going. All you have to do is smile. All I have to do is see your faithfulness to the house of God, to His people. That's what the house of God is. That's good. That blesses me. Never has there been a time that we need our coming together such as now. Never has there been a time for you and I to have discernment sharpened. That's what I want to speak to you about this morning. I want to speak to you about developing and enhancing discernment. Father, I want to thank you for truth. Lord, I want to thank you that truth, even though it's debated and some people say there's no such thing as, and we all hear that the the wind's blowing where there is no absolute truth. Lord, the truth by its own nature is totally absolute. If it isn't, then it's not truth. It has enough of a lie of the enemy in it to make things confused. And so, Lord, we lean on the Word of God this morning heavily. We embrace the Word of the Lord as truth in our lives. And so, Lord, we want to thank You for the freedom that has given us. And, Lord, may there be clarity by Your Holy Spirit this morning. Lord, I thank You for that. Holy Spirit, you are welcome to speak to us. We, we long to hear your voice. And not the man up there in the front with the gray hair getting old and speaking. Lord, I want to hear from you. In Jesus' name, amen. Discernment. Discernment is something that's given to everyone that has given their lives to Jesus, everyone who follows Him, everyone who's born again. You can have discernment in the way of being able to know the difference between right and wrong. You can have discernment given to you uh, by your parents, uh, just by the nature of, of morals. You know, what's right, what's wrong, what to do, what not to do. You can have discernment come to you by experience. You know, well, I've done that before. You know, been there, done that, won't do it again. You know, that's, that's some part of discernment. There's a part of it in that. But you know what the greatest discernment is? Is that which is given to the believer through the covenant in Jesus' blood. Everyone has it. Discernment, you really, you really find out what discernment is all about, that covenantal discernment, when you get around those who have not much of a conscience at all or any kind of moral compass in their lives. And this is where I've been rubbing shoulders with people for the last four years. My missions trip is still ongoing. Turn with me to 1 John, if you would.
and go to chapter 2. And I want to read to you three verses here. You want to follow along. It begins in verse 20. That would be 1 John 2, verse 20. I like what it says here. It says, but you have an anointing from the Holy One. That says a lot right there, doesn't it? And all of you know the truth. You have an anointing from the Holy One. Now when someone says, wow, that message was really anointed, or that thing that just happened was really anointed, that's a wonderful thing to say. But, you know, when we get to heaven, we're going to find out we didn't know the half of it. And when I read this, I'm saying, John, that is a holy understatement. There's more to it than this. But what it is, it's so simple, a child could grasp it. Because you know Jesus, you have an anointing on you to know all of the truth. You know the truth. Go down to verse 26 and 27. John says, I am writing these things to you about those who are trying to lead you astray. Stop. Time out. He says, I'm writing these things about truth to you to the very basics of what it is to be a believer because there are so many that are trying to lead you astray. Jesus said this in His Gospels. It was written that Jesus said this. He says, when the Son of Man returns, when He returns, will He find faith on the earth? What does that tell you? It tells you also that there's coming a time when there will be lying and deceiving spirits, doctrines of demons, winds of doctrines blowing across the earth at an ever-expanding, accelerating rate in the end times. Do you believe we're in the end times yet? I think we all understand that. There's never been a day where we have needed that anointing that Jesus has given us, paid the price, and now with the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, we've never needed more truth today than ever before. We really need discernment, to know the difference between right and wrong, and to know what it says in the Word concerning these things. John says, because there are so many that are trying to lead you astray. I want you to know these things, so you are not led astray. Being out where the Lord has had me for the last five years, Four in particular. It's amazing how many people have been led astray. I've got people, friends, brothers in Christ who have walked away from the Lord. Why? Because they had believed a lie. Because it all started with just a little bit of leaven that leavens the whole lump. Jesus said a little bit, just a little bit. This is why we need discernment today, right now than ever before. It's a good time to know your Word. It's a good time to be solidly planted in Jesus. That no matter where you go, no matter what happens in your life, you are able to tell what is right and what is wrong because we're living in a day where we need to distinguish these things. I love it when God does that. Don't you? 
It's like, you know, you get around people and, and something's going on over there and it's like, something ain't right. That ain't right. You don't know exactly the whole story, but there's just something there. It's like, that is not right. There's something there. There's something there. We are given, to go further in that verse, we are given this. It says, as for you, the anointing you received from him remains in you. And you do not need anyone to teach you. In other words, you don't need me to tell you that. But as His anointing teaches you about all things, and as that anointing is real, not counterfeit, just as it has taught you, remain in Him. Now, have you ever bumped into somebody? Oh, in youth ministry, you know, Vicki could probably come up with the same name that I could just in a heartbeat because the Lord puts certain things you write in the middle of them that you never forget. But have you ever been up against someone who says, I don't need... I don't need teachers. I've got the Holy Spirit. I don't need teachers. I don't need anybody to tell me. The Holy Spirit will tell me. And you're just you're, you're trying so much to give them the wisdom of the Lord that where they're headed is wrong. They're headed for a shipwreck, but they're still going, hey, I don't need anybody to tell me. The Lord would tell me if I'm going in the wrong direction. Pow! Pow! So what is John talking about here? He's saying that if you listen carefully to the Holy Spirit, the Lord wouldn't have to send you other people to tell you. As for needing teachers, that just happens to be one of the fivefold calling that Jesus took a hold and gave back to the church after his, his being in the earth for three days. He said he ascended, the same one descended, ascended. Ephesians 4, it's all there. We need teachers. We need apostles. We need prophets. We need pastors. We need evangelists. But what John is saying here, he says, when you are when you are out and about, let me color it in a little bit. When you're out and about, there's going to be some times when the Holy Spirit will be your teacher. He will show you what you need to know for that very moment. That's covenantal anointing. That's covenant discernment. There is a type of discernment that's given to the children of light to separate you from those who are stuck in darkness. Those who are doing evil things. For the times when the, when the devil wants to lie to you, he won't do a bald-faced lie. He is an expert in human behavior. He has been studying mankind before you were even born. That's why we not even we need to put him in his rightful place, but it's going to be this. Lord, I need you to show me truth at all times. There are those who say, oh, I've had that discipleship class back then, and, and I'm a card-carrying member of that church. I've got everything I need. I've got the Lord. I don't need anything else. Do you know that those people are heading for a shipwreck somewhere down the road? I think you know that. You've seen it. I have seen it. And I, I'm thinking to myself, I shake my head and I go, no, they were told how many times. So don't take that verse for any moment to think that that's something that is adding more to 
you know, I don't need anybody to tell me. I don't even need to go to church. Of course, you were here this morning, so I'm glad you're here this morning. That is a type of discernment. Okay, there's another type that is more instantaneous. You know, like the the Lord says, you know, uh, in, in hot rod terms, okay, if you will just stick with me here for a minute. You know, we build engines, we make them... We make them powerful for the application. And if you're going to go racing on the drag strip, you do this to an engine and different things you do to an engine. And, and I, you know, I, I took a couple cars to the drag strip. I think it's pretty cool. It's a lot of fun, um, except when you get beat. Because someone else has this thing called nitrous oxide. I had a little car that was turbocharged. Man, I put every bit of know-how into that engine. It was so much fun to drive. But then I got up against the big boys with nitrous, and it's like, oh. There are times when you just need that little shot to give you a, that little bit of boost to make the getaway. There are times when the Holy Spirit gives to you another type of discernment, another level that has with it power. Knowing right from wrong isn't power as much as it is truth and your faith to walk in it. But there are going to be times in your life when you need to know because there's something at stake. For one thing, the devil is in it thick. And the Lord will give to you the distinguishing between spirits, gift. And if you'll turn with me, we can see this really easily. This is a whole other kind of discernment right here. If you'll turn with me in 1 Corinthians 12, it's, it's easily found. But it's not easily grasped, and it's even more difficult to explain to you. In verse, well, let's read all of them. Start with 7, 1 Corinthians 12, 7. Now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. The manifestation of the Spirit. You see, that manifestation means something that is unseen all of a sudden becomes seen. Understand that. That's, that's manifestation, okay? It's when, it's when the spirit realm all of a sudden takes on something very visible. It's given for the common good. In verse 8 it says, To one there is given through the spirit the message of wisdom. That's a, that's a word of wisdom. To another the message of knowledge by means of the same spirit. To another faith by the same spirit. To another gifts. I like that plural, gifts of healing by that one Spirit, and to another miraculous powers, to another prophecy. And here's the one I, I want us to just take a look at here for a moment. To another distinguishing between spirits. So we've heard it said that it was the gift of discernment, and that's not far off the mark, but to make it a little bit more uh, focused, we should call it, it is a gift of distinguishing between spirits. It's, it's more than being able to tell right from wrong, godliness from ungodliness. There is that little shot of nitrous there where you can distinguish between spirits. Because you know what? We can't do that all the time. All of a sudden, there will come a time in your life where all of a sudden there is someone who you knew that they, there was something up with their life, but you couldn't put your finger on it. All of a sudden, there is an eye-opening experience where you look at them and say, that's the devil right there. That's called distinguishing between spirits. 
And you know what? Sometimes it's like, boom, eye-opening, and, it, and it's so obvious to you, you wonder why others didn't see it. They don't have to. The Lord does not do those things just for the sake of you knowing something, but for the use for your knowing something and doing something. It's kind of fun riding the bus that I do every day. I had a young fella who who was just absolutely when he wasn't taking a nap, he was obnoxious. I don't know how many times he and I had it out, and the driver and him had it out, and the both of us, all three of us had it out. And, and, you know, he would end up getting in trouble. What a terrible way to start your day. And so after many, many moons, uh, you know, <laughs> he's looked at me and he says, I hate you. I don't want to sit next to you. And I said, well, if you would just act as you should, you wouldn't have to sit next to me. I've got an empty seat next to me. And so there was one occasion where this young man, we were, I had always wondered if he had a demon, by the way. I always wondered that. I like to give everybody the benefit of the doubt. And he was, I know, you got a real firm grasp of the obvious there. Uh, he was sitting next to me, and we were just heading down the, the stretch into town here. And uh, this is in the summertime, nice warm weather, and he's, he's being pretty good. Then all of a sudden he looks at me and he goes, Rip, you're a drug addict. Now, kids like to smart off. You know that. Especially the ones that the Lord has put me with. But when he said that, yeah, drug addicts. When he said that, the Holy Spirit gave me that shot of nitrous. He says, Rip, you need to see this. And all of a sudden, my eyes were open, and I saw, if, if not horns on that kid's head, I knew it. It was, you know, when Paul says this is a manifestation, I knew right away that that was the devil talking to me and not the young man. So you know what I did? I thought, well, Lord, you want me to cast him out? And all I could hear was the Lord smiling. And he says, you do what you should do. And so riding with this young man, I looked at him and I said, no, I'm not. He says, yes, you are. Once you're an addict, you're always an addict. You're an addict. Didn't you tell me that you were a drug addict? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Used to be. I said, but something happened in there. I said, I said, Jesus cleansed me and broke me from that bondage. And I just thought, what another opportunity to just share a couple truths with him. The devil hates the truth because he is a liar. He is the father of lies. And in, and in John, Jesus said, you, your, your father is the devil. He said that to the Pharisees. And he said, he said, he is the father of lies, and when he lies, it's his native tongue. Now, you've got to understand, there's some people who tell you a half-truth, and you think, that's a half-truth. But when someone tells you a lie that brings condemnation to you, it's more than a joke. Because it is an outright lie that has an assault on your personal identity and citizenship in heaven. And I wasn't, it wasn't like I had been fasting or anything. It wasn't like I had, had been in the Spirit of the Lord that morning. You know, sometimes that happens. I had a really good week this week, but that morning it wasn't like that. All of a sudden, the light went on, and the Lord says, I'm going to pull back the veil. 
and I want you to have fun with this. And as soon as I told him, I said, Jesus cleansed me from sin and broke the chains of bondage. And when I said bondage, all of a sudden, his, his arms came up and grabs his ears and he started screaming. Ah! 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 Don't say that! Now, it wasn't like <laughs> voices. It was, you know, it's when you've got to understand, it's not always like watching those stupid movies. Don't watch stupid movies. But it was the gift of discernment, and then it, was, then it was the Holy Spirit saying, now that you know, let's go somewhere with this. And I looked at him, and I said, and, he, and then he wanted to argue. <laughs> thinking, this is lost before you begin, man. And he says, you are too an addict. And I said, I just want to tell you that you do not have to stay in the misery that you're in. I'm here to help you. Because of Jesus. And as soon as I said that, here we go again. He took his head, it was down between his knees, and he was contorting and he was screaming and screaming and screaming. And all the other kids on the bus are like, Rip's getting a dose of this. And so we had a couple more rounds as we're coming into town. There was no fighting, there was no ugliness. But I thought, I've seen this demon before and he's given me a hard time. I'm going to torment him. And there come times in my life when I say, devil, I am here to stir your nest. And you've seen that in my ministry. I am here to stir your nest. You are not here to hide. And there are times when I come into a situation, I said, Lord, I want you to take every rock that the devil is hiding under and kick it. Every lid that is covering up a bitter well, kick it off. I want it exposed. And that's what the distinguishing of between spirits does. You still with me? Have you flowed in that one? Am I, am I looking at some veterans here? I want this to bless you. There was a time when I was having coffee with a certain individual. And a certain individual wanted to impress me with all the different spirits that they hear. And a certain individual knew that I was a minister. It's like, it's like I am a Christian. I'm not anointed because I'm a minister or a pastor. I'm a believer of the Most High God. And so the story went, and I could tell right away that I could hear the devil speaking. I could hear it. And maybe you've heard me tell this story once before. I'm still not going to say who it is. But uh, it, it came down to this. Well, I did this. I listened to this, this spirit, and, I, and, and this happened, and it turned out for good. What do you say about that? I mean, oh, this is getting good. And then came another time, and, and I did this, and, and this happened, and, and that was really good. What do you think about that? And I said, you hear from a lot of spirits, don't you? Yes, I do. And I said, but none of them has the first name of holy. Boom. God dropped a hammer on that. It was all over. What it did was it knocked open a door and I could minister in the name of Jesus to that person. Truth. So for the sake of truth and that we may know where the devil operates, he operates in places where you cannot see him 
He can operate in your life where you cannot see Him. There are believers that speak the words of the devil. Are they possessed? No! But they say things that are attributed to the things of the devil from time to time. Don't be condemnatory toward them. (laughs) Neither lay hands on them and say, come out in the name of Jesus. (laughs) That doesn't have a good ending. <laughs> Can I, 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 I've, got, I've got a few minutes here. I just want to tell you a funny story. Uh, as an example of this, is that Pastor Jeff, you all know Pastor Jeff. He's my mentor. He's my hero in the faith. Uh, you've seen him come here a few times in not so good of situations, but Pastor Jeff is really cool. I was his youth pastor for five years. And he tells me this story. He says, Rip, he says, I got a funny one. Yeah. He says, You know this? Dear sweet little lady, yeah, you know, she taught Sunday school for many years. She was the CE director of, of our church. He says, when I came here, that's what she did. And in her, and in her um, little office, she had a box with all kinds of keys in it. And one of those keys would fit every door of her Sunday school rooms, and her was, was like, emphasized. And, uh, and he says, you know, he says, I, I just couldn't see why we had that and why teachers couldn't just any time they want to go in without having to check out a key from her. And he says, you know what I did, don't you? And I said, yeah, tell me more. You know, one of those situations, he says, I went up to her and I said, I said I'm, I'm, taking, I'm taking this box of keys out because it's a church we should have access. And, you know, Pastor Jeff is really, really gentle. He's really understanding. But something really clawed at that dear sweet little lady really hard. And she looked at him and she goes, I cast you out in the name of Jesus. (laughs) I was rolling on the floor laughing. And I'm going, you're kidding me. And he goes, oh, you just had to be there. I said, what did you do? And he says, I laughed and smiled and said, I'm still going to do it. doesn't have a good outcome. Don't be condemnatory for those that you know are speaking the words of the devil to you. And even though they claim to be a believer, be patient with them. Okay. That was the introduction. I won't go that long. I was just thinking this past week there are certain things that, um, that we can do to enhance discernment in our lives. And the first thing that that I saw enhance uh, discernment in my life, and I saw the counter of that. You know, sometimes you, you learn what's true by seeing what's not true. <laughs> um, the Lord put me in a place I didn't want to pastor. The Lord put me in a place I didn't want to go from youth pastor to pastor. just didn't want to do it. I just did not want to pastor until the Lord put me in a place where I saw a pastor who was doing everything wrong and he was just tearing up his congregation and tore us up a little bit and we got chewed up and spit out and and then I said, okay, Lord, I'm ready. Sometimes he shows you the bad side of things to get, to get the rightness in you flowing and operating. And the one thing that enhances our discernment, and I mean aside from the obvious knowing the Word, the devil knows the Word. So I can't say that that really enhances, though it helps greatly. There's nothing that enhances Discernment in us more than obedience. Think about that for a minute. 
There is nothing that enhances discernment more than when we get the order of God for our lives correct. Then you will begin to see things like you had not seen prior to that. There's something that happens. And maybe you could see this in those that have been brought up in Christian families. They've been brought up in the church and all of a sudden they get locked on to to the Lord again. And, and I mean, to them everything is good or bad. There's no in-betweener. And why is that? Because obedience opened their eyes and ignited discernment. Basic covenant discernment. So if you'll turn with me to the... Um, Let me see. Let's go to James chapter 1. Do we have any artists here? You really like to draw. Maybe you don't call yourself an artist. You like to draw things. You like to draw people. Okay, Murph's got her hand up. How difficult is it to do a self-portrait, Murph? Why? Yeah. That's a good point. In the book of James, we're told something, a little bit of an illustration with a mirror. And you know where we're going already. This is, this is good. James tells us, oh, let me see where we're at here. I'll get this straight. 22 through 25. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Oh, wait a minute, wait a minute. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. How can we listen to the word and so deceive ourselves? Very easy. When you go a little bit further, it says not, not being a doer of the word. And he says, James says this, and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. <laughs> Can it be any simpler than that? Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like a man who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. What was missing? The doing what it says. Did you catch that? Isn't the book of James is so easy to understand? And it's so simple. And he's saying, be doers of the word and not hearers only. My wife and I, We were brought up on that as new believers. Be doers of the Word and not hearers only. Don't just listen to the Word. Don't just study the Word, but you've got to do it. Isn't there a simple word for that? Obedience? Have you noticed in the church at large, I don't know how many of you like to hear what's going on in the world, different churches, different speakers, different movements, different denominations. I do. I've got something of interest in it. But this is what I've seen. The word repentance is becoming a bad word in churches today. The word obedience and submission are becoming bad words in churches today. The problem with that is that it robs God's people of discernment. 
Because when you get the order wrong, there's nothing else that can be right. When you get the order of God wrong, nothing else can be right in your life. And and you won't see it. That's how you become deceived. Did you catch that from James early on? He says, don't be hearers of the word and so deceive yourselves. You can hear the word and you think that because all is going right in your life, that God is winking at the sin and the bad things. Can I tell you that that is a real danger to a believer? Big time. And I speak that for the cause of salvation and the cause of clarity. And often it takes something really bad to happen to us, and pretty soon we're going back to that place of obedience and say, where did I get off the path? It used to be that you could come into a church at any given time, any given place, and hear a word where you knew to go out and get corrected. You knew that you had to get something straight in your life. You knew, but not anymore. There are churches around here in this area, and I'm telling you, Vicki and I went on a missions trip, where repentance is a small word. Therefore, sin in a believer's life is becoming a small word. Grace is a really big word. To say that, oh, that's okay, that's okay, and they begin to wink at all the bad things going on. They don't call each other up. They don't try to extract the best out of each other in Jesus' name. It's not a thing of works. And it's, it, it really ah, it does something on the inside of me. And, you know, there was one, <laughs> there was one place where Vicki and I went home just shaking our heads and... And she looks at me and when we got home on the couch, and I remember that moment, Vicki, where we're sitting on the couch and she says, she says, um, you're not going to like that. You can't stay here very long. <laughs> she knew it was time to go. But by that time, we had, had, we, had, we had such a circuitous route. It was like, Lord, I'm not going to church anymore. I told the Lord that out in my prayer place. My place of anointing is my shop out there with the cars and the smell of stale gasoline and grease and bicycles. And I'm out there, and and I said, Lord, on a cold January night just like this, I am out there getting alone from everybody, and I'm out in the garage, and I'm going, Lord, you know. You watch me. I know. And, Lord, I don't know where I fit. I'm done. And at that point, I came to a place of obedience. I said, Lord, where you tell me to go, you just got to make it clear. And that's when the Lord brought us back here. Yeah, it's been a good ride. Glad we were away for a couple of years, but it's really good to be back. Mission strip. And like I said, there are some of you that I look at, and I can't tell you what it does to me on the inside. I don't have words for it. But you bless me. But never has there ever been a need to walk in truth. You know, you hear this. You read it on the Internet. You chat with other people. You hear what they say. Maybe it's at coffee. Maybe it's on your iPhone, wherever. But you hear this as much as I do. The truth will set you free. Hasn't that just kind of been 
all over the place out there. The truth will set you free. Do they have any clue to have that truth that sets you free and still walk like you're unchanged in the old flesh, in the old Adamic nature? How can the truth set you free? Because that's what Jesus is talking about. John chapter 8, verse 44. The truth will set you free. If the, son's, if the Son of Man, if the Son of God sets you free, then you are free indeed. But there are a lot of people that haven't been set free. And they give you little bits and pieces of truth that you agree with, and you get up and you run with it. Trouble. Trouble. There's never been a time where discernment has needed been needed more in you and in the body. I thank God for Pastor Mike because he preaches a good, solid, solid word. I enjoy that. And that's the problem I had. I wasn't looking to pastor somewhere else. I was glad to lay that down. After 28 years, I was real glad to lay it down. But I didn't know where to go because it's that difficult to go to a place either... The ones that are preaching the truth are ignoring some of the greater things of the gospel, if you know what I mean. I won't go there with that one. But, you know, I don't want people to ignore truth from the pulpit. And there's a lot of that going on. So, what enhances discernment more than obedience? Not much. That's the biggie. You know another thing that enhances it? Patience. Psalm 23, He leadeth me beside still waters. Still waters are not stagnant waters. If you are in a place of politics, local or otherwise, in your job, if you are in a place of politics, I want to tell you that's totally different than the kingdom of God. That is the kingdom of this world. Politics does not belong in church. Thank God you all been delivered. Because that was part of bringing us back. And I want to tell you that, that there's more done in the church aside from politics than just two or three gathering out in a parking lot or a field somewhere. You can get something done there. Jesus got something done with his 12, didn't he? Turn the world upside down. Now... Patience. I say all that to bring us to this point. When you are in a place where others are watching you and there comes a crisis or a need to make a decision, there can be a temptation to walk around with the wringing of hands. I got to do something. 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 No, you don't. And then there comes other times when you are beside still waters and you can't stand it because you think it's stagnant waters. You always got to have a crisis going on. Can't stand peace. Why? Because it looks like you're doing nothing. There's nothing wrong with doing nothing from time to time. That's why the Lord had the Sabbath. And He still does. Peacefulness. Patience. There's nothing that enhances 
the discernment that God has given you as, as a covenantal believer than being at peace. Remember Randy Clark saying this at Toronto. He said, the Lord spoke to him and said that, Randy, when you are anxious, you can't hear me. The sermon is hearing from God on a certain matter. And if you've ever been in the place where people are looking at you and saying, you know what, this is my department. I've got to be doing something right now. I'm responsible for that. I'm going to look irresponsible if I don't do something right now. Hmm. Going to help God with a promise there? You don't have to. Didn't Abraham and Sarah try to do that? Oh, there's going to be a great nation that comes out of us, out of our womb, but you can't have kids, I can't have kids. I've got, I got a really good idea. Hagar, come on over here. I want you to sleep with my husband. Oh, my goodness, we're still paying the price for that. And when you and I try to hurry, <laughs> that was last year's Super Bowl. I, you make a mess. And there's no discernment in it. Be at peace. Be at peace. The peace of God that passes all understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Oh, there's another one. Let the peace of God rule in your heart. That's patience. That's where you get patience. I'm not talking about the patience that you seem short of when you're looking for a parking space at Walmart on a rainy or snowy day or standing in line behind the person in the express lane with 20 items and you're counting them. That's not the patience I'm talking about. I'm talking about the kind that allows you to be still and know that God is God. That's where discernment flows like a mighty river. And you know when you're getting out of God's order. Just say, say la. I think at that point we will. Would you stand with me, please? I have a feeling somebody got something from the Lord today, um, so I'm not going to push it anymore. I'm just going to let you think on these things. But I want to encourage you with this. If there's something that's out of order in your life, there's nothing that you can do to put it back in order with new stuff. You've got to go back. This is what John Wimber said. John Wimber said this. He says, if there are no new orders, your last orders are your standing orders. Okay? If you're wondering, Lord, what do I do? Is this the right thing for me to be doing? Go back. If there are no new orders, don't try to make them. Don't try to go on out without them. If there are no new orders from God, go back to your last orders. Those are still the orders. That's your standing orders right there. Amen? Father, I want to just ask your blessing, Lord, upon everyone's life here. Lord, a priestly blessing I extend in the name of Jesus by your wonderful grace and power. Your blessing reside in them, Lord. May they go out of here, not in a, in a 
anxious or a hurry state of mind, but Lord, may they know that what they've received here for peace and a blessing is for them to do the right thing and not be compelled by other people, not to be pushed by circumstances, to try to do what they think is right. But God, I pray that everyone of us in this place would have the order from you clear in a very personal way, Lord. There's nothing better than knowing that you are where you are in that righteous place. And Father, I pray for there to be a blessing that comes from that, Lord. The joy of salvation. Hallelujah. Lord, protect those that are going home, I pray. Lord, I know you sent angels with us. I love angels. Lord, everybody's got them. And Lord, they fly around us all the time. They're in us. They're in our back seats at times, Lord. And I pray, watch them as they go home. And Lord, more than that, the other people, watch them so there's no accidents. Slippery roads, Lord. This is treacherous weather. Lord, I pray you look upon those that have come out here to to bless you, to uh, start their week right, God. That's the right order. Uh, Lord, I pray that you go with them and bless them. And Lord, may their team win today. (laughs) Lord, thank you that you take joy in the funny little things that we enjoy when everything is straight with you. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you as you go. If there's anyone that needs further ministry, we're not in a hurry to get out of here.